Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Talking Tuesday. So it's a Talking Wednesday night here at GC. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. We keep the football talk rolling. I know that that the baseball team is playing absolutely out of their minds. You can check out the new show that we have on Sunday's Extra Innings. Colin Taylor does a tremendous job with that. Um, and basketball, hard foul. Colin and intern Joe, they do that. Yeah. Um, Colin and I got a little something in the works for baseball season too. We are, yeah. we are we are working on a little something something with that. So stay tuned. Obviously. So we we got we got a lot right now with basketball going on. A late 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 game tonight on ESPN two with the men's team. So we will kind of give you guys a little something else to talk about before that. If you're going to watch that, uh, seventeen and a half point underdogs. No one really giving South Carolina a chance on the court tonight. They're still looking for their first home. SEC win on the season. But again, turning the attention back to football, as we all know, spring football is right around the corner. It's crazy in turn, Joe, to just think about that. It feels like it was just yesterday that this team was down in Jacksonville, getting ready for the Gator Bowl, and that momentum that they had created to end the regular season. To me, that feels like it was just honestly a couple weeks ago. That was months ago. So I bring all that up because just like we saw, and again, I understand the bowl, not winning the bowl game. It's a little bit different, but because of what South Carolina was able to do at the end of the regular season, on top of what they were able to do from a recruiting standpoint, the momentum's still very, very strong. You look back to that Duke's Mayo Bowl season, mm-hmm. and they won that. That momentum was massive in all offseason. The expectations, right? Rattler's coming in and this and that. Well, Rattler's back. Juice Wells is back. You have some talented pieces on both offense and defense. Certainly there's some question marks too, intern Joe. When you would, tr- in terms of measuring it in comparison to last year, where would you say expectations are? Not necessarily from a win-loss standpoint, but just the expectations. How much has it gone up in compared in comparison to a year ago when we were at this point? Yeah, I mean, obviously expectations are going to rise when you beat two of the top five teams in back-to-back weeks and have um, such a splash in recruiting like they have with Nicholas Harbour, and then you have your two weapons coming back, Spencer and Juice. Then you also get a fresh look at the offense with Dowell Loggins. And with that, obviously, expectations rise a little bit, too, because we saw how, you know, little offensive production that, you know, they 
the Gamecocks saw with Marcus Satterfield under the helm in, 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 the, in the weeks leading up to the two big wins. And so obviously with Dowell coming in, um, it gives you a lot of hope because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a fresh system. It's, it's brand new for everybody and, you know, gives, you know, Dowell the chance to design a playbook around Spencer and Juice and then Nicholas Harbor and stuff like that. And, I mean, Shane has said it too that, you know, Dowell's already – working on some stuff to, you know, a, a Nicholas Harbor package, if you will, and, and having him come in with, and also too, I think it is a benefit, Mike, and, and having your transfer class pretty much already settled, right? Everything is all signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, so I think it's it's a very big benefit to have that because then, I mean, Dowell's already gone to work on, on the offense and they already have a kind of a picture of what it looks like. But anyways, naturally expectations are going to rise. You, you take a, a national brand like Notre Dame that deep into the Gator Bowl. Obviously it wasn't a um, it was a big season for South Carolina, not as it didn't go as hope, but I mean, it, it did, it was an improvement from the year before and that's all you want to see, but uh, down year for Notre Dame and whatnot, but to take a national brand like that to the wire and a very exciting game that a lot of people watched expectations are going to be a little bit higher, but I'm not, I'm not saying I think there's, you know, expectations to win the SEC East, which is good because I, I, I think, you know, those expectations, I'm sure some people in their own right minds have that expectation, but most people are not expecting South Carolina to win the SEC East, which is nice. But um, it, it, I think, uh, get, I guess the ceiling is a roof for this team, really, if you want to quote MJ there. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of potential um, with this team, and I think that's what we're kind of looking at expectation-wise. You know, it, it could go either way, right? It just depends on how they perform. You mentioned Dal Loggins, and as I've told people before, give this man an opportunity before we start worrying, okay, you know, look what his resume was, right, in the NFL, you know, he can't have success here. I think he has won some people over since he arrived at South Carolina because of everything we've heard so far from a recruiting standpoint, right? But again, as I've said many, many times before, what he does ultimately on Saturdays as an OC, that is what he'll be judged by, right? So I bring that up because – we understand the resume that he had from from an NFL standpoint. And like I've told people before, a lot of those situations that he was in, right? You talk about the Cleveland Browns. You talk about the Chicago Bears. They weren't great situations. They weren't great situations, okay? And you look across the board, you look across the board in the NFL, that, that happens all the time. I want to read a blind resume to you real quick in terms. Oh, and for everyone that is out there, okay, just read a quick resume, okay? And I'll try, I mean, look, I I know some people don't follow the NFL super, super close, but I think when you hear some of these names for teams, I think you'll be able to put, you know, you'll be like, all right, I understand what you're trying to say. You know, you have LSU. Then you go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? 2007 to 2010, wide receivers coach. Okay, hopped around a little bit. Back in the NFL as the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2016 to 2017. Offensive coordinator for the Bucs in 2018. Offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns in 2019. So I say all that, right? I say all that. Do you see the similar pattern in terms of like when you try to t- when you try to talk about Dow Loggins? And I'm not saying this is exactly how it's going to play out at South Carolina. 
That resume I just read is the resume of former Georgia offensive coordinator and now current Baltimore Ravens OC Todd Logan. So I bring that up because, again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what Dow Loggins is going to do at South Carolina is going to be able to replicate what we saw over the last couple of years with Georgia. My whole point being is this. Don't just look at what someone did at a totally freaking different level and just assume, oh, here we go again. He's not going to be able to have success. Freaking wait. Give him a freaking chance. Because, again, if that was the case with Todd Munkin, why hire him? Why hire him? Yeah, he had experience, a little bit different situation than Dow. No question, right? He was a head coach. I think it was at Southern Miss. You know, he hits him up. But let's not let's not act like okay because of X Y Z in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, you're not going to have success in college. I just think that's absolutely foolish to think of. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... Dowell, like going into this, right, the hire, you, everybody remembers all of the the noise surrounding the hire and, and how South Carolina fans were upset. It's like, who the hell is this guy? He wasn't a big name and all of that stuff. And, and right. And so I think you do need to give him a chance. But I think right now, Dowell is certainly building trust already with what he's done on the recruiting trail. Right. Harbor has said, um, I believe he has said that, you know, Loggins made a big push. And in, in, in his and made a big impact in his recruitment as well. Um, I know he definitely won over the commitment of Mazio Bennett. Um, I know because mm-hmm. Mazio has talked about that and how how much Loggins is, is invested in these guys. And I mean, being in the NFL that long, there were concerns on if he was going to be able to recruit, right? And so there, those questions were answered as soon as he got here, right? So those those the big questions surrounding recruiting and you know, and a lifelong NFL guy. But he, recently he was at Arkansas, so he does know how to recruit, and he got Trey Knox to come over, and that, that proves that. But uh, the biggest question, arguably, uh, will be the play calling. And I think, you know, right, Mike, you talked about it with his recent stops and how they were unsuccessful and whatnot. There's going to be a whole lot of doubters going into game one, and I think even continuing into game two and three and whatnot, we saw it with Satterfield, right? There are going to be doubters in the play calling. There, mm-hmm. there always needs to be somebody to point the finger at. And sometimes it's just the offensive coordinator when things aren't clicking or the offensive line too. But I mean, I think Dowell has a really good chance, especially the week one game and the, the week one against North Carolina is going to be a very, very good game. Neutral site. You, you're playing against a pretty decent um, UNC defense. It's returning a decent amount of guys. So I think that's your biggest test and you have, you know, weapons galore with Harbor mm-hmm. coming in. Harbor will be there established. It'll be through summer camp. It'll be through fall camp. And so uh, I think it's going to be really, really, really fun to watch to see what kind of offense he rolls out there. And granted, we already have kind of a picture, right? The pro style running gun. And, you know, we know he's designing it around his weapons. And we know Spencer's a little bit more of a mobile kind of quarterback. And so uh, I think week one, he's got, you know, a lot of expectations going into it. It's like, what will it be? A lot of questions, a lot of doubters. And I think it's a great chance because it's going to be on national TV. It's against, you know, a, a newer rival in UNC and neutral site game. A lot of people paying attention to it. A lot of star power, Spencer Rattler, Drake May. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of scoring in that one, but I think it's a really good opportunity for Dowell to prove a lot of the doubters wrong. No, I do too. I do too. And look, as I've mentioned before, there's going to be just like there is every year, 
But there's going to be some questions with this offense surrounding the offensive line. And it's such a, a crucial, crucial part. I understand there's guys coming back. Okay. The starters are gone. But this unit hasn't worked with each other before. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so vital, so vital to make sure these guys are on the same page. So, again, how quickly can they develop that rapport? We can go through spring football. They can be able to get acclimated to the playbook, and that's fantastic, right? I mean, every other freaking team in the country that's going through some type of coaching change, some type of OC change, they're in the same boat, all right? But once you hit that field and you have those weapons and you have the quarterback back, that's great, but how is it going to look like up front? How's it going to look for the last two seasons? South Carolina went with a zone blocking scheme. And that's not to say that in years past, they didn't have some zone blocking concepts in it. I mean, every team does a combination of the two to some degree, but they were so, so heavy on zone blocking that it really screwed everything up. And I don't know if it was, And again, this was because of the offensive style, the offensive philosophy that Marcus Satterfield had when he was at South Carolina, that they wanted to be able to implement this offensive style. And we saw how much the offensive line struggled that first season. And I felt like in year two, it was a combination of a bunch of things, right? It was the offense trying to figure out who the hell they were going to be. Um, Rattler trying to get comfortable with his new teammates, developing the timing, uh, everything around him, but not just timing in terms of throwing the ball to a receiver or tight end or whoever the case, right? Running back out of the backfield, timing in terms of when to step up in the pocket, having that trust with that offensive line, an offensive line that, again, it was new for him. Because he had played at a freaking totally different team. So now he has to learn a new playbook. Now he has to learn a new playbook. I think the concepts, because he's going from one offensive style to another, I think a lot of the concepts will be similar, right? And I don't want people to misconstrue that for and think like, oh, goodness, the, uh, the, the playbook is going to look the exact same. No. I'm talking, you know, a lot of the terminology, right? Mm-hmm. It might be called something different. But the idea is still there, right? I mean, you go into different offenses, right? You go run and shoot or wherever the heck it is. You keep – there's going to be a lot of concepts that are going to be the same. The terminology is just going to be a little bit different. So I I think that's the big thing. It's, again, spring football is great. You'll be able to to start building a foundation in turn, Joe. But once you get to the fall – that's when we're going to figure out what the hell this offense is going to look like. That's when we're going to figure out what this offensive line in particular is going to look like because now it's not just going up against the same guys that you go every day against in those 15 practices. All right? Now no. it's going up against guys that have been scheming against you. And other than watching some film and maybe, all right, the last couple of years, if you had an opportunity, especially with SEC play, you know, Georgia's that, sec- that, that third game you have some type of experience playing them. So maybe you understand some tendencies, but at the end of the day, you have to go out there and you just got to execute. How quickly can this offense get on the same page? And it comes down to really, in my opinion, that offensive line. 
Yeah, Mike. And I mean, it's always been the question mark, right? I mean, going into this offseason because you lost guys, veteran starters, quite like like um, Eric Douglas, Jovan Gwynn. I mean, those guys are absolutely crucial to your O-line. Um, and there's a couple guys I'm forgetting, um, but uh, sorry to those guys. But anyways, um, you're, you just – those guys have – once they broke into the starting lineup, they have stayed there for their entire careers. Jovan Gwynn, I believe he played in 42 something games and started or played in 46 and started 42 of them and never looked back. I mean, it's ridiculous. And so to go about replacing the veteran guys like that, it's going to be a big task. And obviously it's a really big ask, especially for that group to kind of have everything together and ready to go with the schedule being as it is so front loaded, it's like, okay, here we go. It's like time, time to go, time to perform and stuff like that. And so it's, it's going to be really, really, really interesting and to see how, how they can get it together. And it's going to be, I guess, fun for us and, 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 um, you know, not so fun for them to try to, you know, figure it out. And like, I mean, Mike, we've talked about it at length too. The offensive line needs to be a really cohesive group. So now in spring ball, you know, return or you bring in a guy like Nick Gargiulo somebody that's yep. been there before not necessarily an SEC play but he he was one of the lone captains at at Yale one of you know they're not over 100 captains in their 100 years of football I know that um, and so a veteran guy like that who understands uh, he's coming in at center which is very key I think but in terms of his role for him to be a veteran leader on this offensive line you'd like it to be your center mm-hmm. uh, I think that's key and to bring him in he's going to be the foundation of this O-line. And I think that was the whole point of bringing a veteran guy like that in because now you can build around him, right? And you have a couple returners. You've got a couple recruits. You've got Big Tree, obviously. I don't. We'll, we'll see if he plays. He could very well play. I mean, there's a good chance. Who knows, really, other than Gargiulo right now. And, and there's, um, I think, Dylan Wanham, I believe, um, is another returner um, as well. Um, but it's the offensive line is wide open. And that's going to be really fun to see during spring ball, who kind of steps in, who kind of steps up. Um, because, again, it's a, it's a wide open race. And I think it, it's going to be really challenging for them, at least, with the front-loaded schedule to kind of get things on track because it's something we've seen these South Carolina offensive lines and just offensive lines in general across the country struggle with. It's getting things on track from the jump. Like, it's it's football, right? They don't get a – it's college football. They don't get a preseason, Right. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get the opportunity to see somebody else and kind of work those kinks out before game one. So it's going to be really interesting to see how well they can rebound, pick things up with as front loaded as their schedule is. And I, I know I mentioned this before. I actually wrote an article back in January on this, what will determine South Carolina's offense success in 2023. And as I mentioned before, I, I truly believe a lot of it's going to have to do with, with the offensive line. I truly mm-hmm. do. And it's, Look, the last the last season or so, I guess you could say really two seasons, but you know, year plus at least. Um the offensive line, the criticism it got at times, was it was it just yes, at times yes. Yeah. But I also felt like it was the easy scapegoat. Easy scapegoat. Oh, yeah. Um there were times where, you know, again, when you're doing zone blocking, if the quarterback's not identifying the Mike linebacker pre-snap or uh, a running back's not picking up a block on the edge. It's so easy to be like, oh, you know, it's the offensive line, right? Oh, sack. Oh, 
Rattler had to step up, throw it away. You know, it's so easy to do that. There's so much more to it. That's why, and I'm trying to remember the exact statistic. I think it was 14 heading into this season when Satterfield said from the previous year, I think he said like, you know, 14 or 12 of the sacks were really on the offensive line. Uh, and the rest were just on for what, you know, quarterback, running back, tight end, missed a blocking assignment. So I bring those things up because I bring those things up because th- that's not what I'm necessarily talking about when I'm saying about the concerns. And again, going back to this piece that I wrote, I threw out the statistic back in January. So based on the guys that they're losing, okay, based on some of the guys that they're losing, Eric Douglas, 13, 13 starts, okay, 13 starts, Javon Gwen, 13 starts, Dylan Wanham, 10 starts. Okay. Key Moore, eight starts. Vershawn Lee, seven starts. Jalen Nichols, seven starts. Tyshawn Wanamaker, four starts. Trey Jones, two starts. Wyatt Campbell, one start. And I did all this math. You add it up. It's not too crazy. But if you add all those starts up, you get 65, right? 13 games times the five offensive lineman positions. Of that 65, USC is losing Douglas, Gwen, and Wanham. Or in other words, more than 50% of the starts from their offensive line in 2022. In addition, Campbell has not publicly said whether or not he'll be using his extra year of eligibility. I think that has been updated. Um, But my whole point being in turn, Joe, is that you have guys, right? You have guys that have played on this offensive line. You have guys that have started on the offensive line. Of course, the playbook's going to look different, okay? But it's more so just being in sync. And that's a that's one position that it just doesn't happen overnight. Um, so, again, will they go back to a man blocking scheme? I'm not going to be shocked by that. I think what they're going to do, they're going to do whatever they can to be able to get these guys in sync as quickly as, as possible. And I know I probably sound like an absolute broken record, by saying that, like, you know, getting in sync, we'll have to see. But it's the God's honest truth. It's the God's honest truth. We can sit here and talk about, oh, Rattler, uh, he's being snubbed for some of these lists. And, you know, Wells, again, it doesn't freaking matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the hell the receivers are. You have to be able to give these guys time. I think there will be an improvement. Will there be a learning curve? Will there be a period of time where this offense might not be clicking the way that it could be by the time in the middle of the season at the end. Absolutely. No question about it. And I kind of expect that to happen, but again, you're not playing TikTok tech week one. No. You're playing a power five team, a power five team who the last time you played in that stadium, you freaking embarrassed essentially in their backyard. So now you're going back up there again. They're going to be ready to go. How ready is that offensive line going to be? That's that's the question. And we're not going to know. We're, spring football, there'll be a lot of things that we always do, right? Right? We'll watch something. Someone will do something. Maybe they'll have a couple runs. And Oh, my goodness. Wow, this is great. Offensive line could look great in the spring. How much of that? 
do you put stock in in terms of trying to figure out what we, what we should expect week one? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like it's it's going to be the biggest question, arguably, because, I mean, you return a guy like Spencer, you return a guy like Juice, you know, and you've got weapons such as Nick Harbour. When we've all seen, you know, what he can do speed-wise, it's going to be really, really fun to see what he can do offensively and what Loggins can do there. Uh, Mike, another position that I'm really interested to see which way they go, especially in the spring, is that linebacker. There are a lot of good options at linebacker. Mm-hmm. And also on the defensive line, defensive line is one area of concern. At linebackers, one, it's just kind of fun to put together some combinations. You've got Blinn, you've got Pup Power, you've got Mo Caba, you've got Debo Williams coming back. It's going to be really, really, really fun to see what they do at linebacker because they have a lot of talent there. A lot of young talent, too, um, especially with, um, like I said, Blinn played a lot last year um, as a f- true freshman. So he's bringing back some experience. Mo Caba's your guy. In the middle and then Debo Williams is just about as experienced as anybody on the roster mm-hmm. but in terms of the defensive line you're losing a guy like Zach Pickens you lost a guy like Jordan Birch you're returning Tonka Hemingway who was he had some of the best PFF numbers on the squad last year not just offensively either which we saw we saw what a weapon he is offensively uh, but <laughs> but I mean defensive line wise Jordan Strawn was granted his extra year of eligibility so that's going to be interesting. I would assume him, he would step up into that, you know, number one defensive end role. But who's who's going to play on the other side? That's a good question. A um, lot of different combos there. And, I mean, Jordan Strawn's game is really, really, really good when it is, when he's on, right? I think, you know, the length that he has, I mean, they call him freaking stretch, for God's sakes. Like, the length that he has is some of the best in the SEC. So if he can really get it going and really rebound from this injury, I think, you know, he's going to be, you know, the anchor on that defensive line. And obviously he and Tonka, Boogie Huntley as well at tackle is going to be interesting. Boogie's made some big, 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 big strides in the last couple of years. So Tonka Mm -hmm. and Boogie's going to be really good, really fun to watch. Uh, But, I mean, you have stretch on the other end. Um, But I I don't know, Mike, what what do you think or what are you looking at spring ball to see what, what they do with the defensive line and then, I guess, the linebackers too? I think, look, as we've mentioned before in the past, I don't care who the hell you have in the secondary. If you don't put pressure up front, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you I mean, shoot, you could put, and I, the, I always go back with the old school name sometimes like Dick Lane, right? Night Train Lane. But I mean, you could go Coach Prime, right? You could throw Deion Sanders out there. You can throw DJ Swearinger, um, JC Horn back there, you know, RIP Sean Taylor. I mean, you could throw whoever the hell you want in that secondary. You have to be able to put pressure on. You have to, have to, have to put pressure on. So, again, and it brings up a a question about, you know, who can we expect to see if, if you know, outside of Strawn. Um, I think, look, when you look at, when you look at what South Carolina has been able to do from an edge standpoint, um, over the last couple of years, they've been able to produce some really talented guys. Obviously, losing a guy like Edmonds this offseason to the portal, to Florida State, that sucked um, because that was one of the guys that you were expecting to be able to, you know, assume that, that number one role. Um, so, again, there's going to be question marks as to, number one, who can be that, that guy that you can count on, right? 
to be able to play the majority of the snaps, number one. But number two, especially at a position like that, you need depth. You need depth. Um, And I I know someone was asking before about the three football players. Um, It sucks right now with the whole Monty Rame situation Mm -hmm. uh, because I was very excited to see him perform this spring. Um, And, you know, there's no further information about it right now. Um, I will say this, though. Because they're not the same situation by any means. Um, but I did see a comment earlier today, and I think it was on the forum. Could have been on Twitter. But it was comparing the situation of what's going on at Alabama. That is a very, 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 very tragic and sad situation. Okay? It's a sad situation um, in terms of that player being able to play tonight. Um I, I don't think you can compare the two. I don't think you can p- compare to the two. Different and it goes back to the old saying, right? Two rights don't make a wrong. So again, that's, there's going to be legal stuff that come. I mean, like, you know, I'm not even going to go there. Okay. The comments that NATO said, you know, that's a different story. Um, and I'm not going to really dissect everything that he said, because at the end of the day, we're not covering Alabama, but I, I, I bring that up just because, the whole point being is you can't look at that situation back. Like, well, look what happened there. Bottom line is we know what we know what the rules are at South Carolina. Okay. Whether you agree with them or you disagree with them. Um, if he is able to come back. All right. And I don't know how it's all going to play out. And we understand too, regardless of your stance on guns and this and that, I know we're in a state that is very big on them. I'm not here to tell you how to feel about guns. That's not my job, but I will say, I will say this though. We're living in a society right now where obviously there's a lot going on with guns too, right? I mean, we, we see stuff every day in the news. So, you know, I, I think it would be naive to dismiss that, that I'm sure that will be something that is, you know, also in the thought process just because of the society. But again, that's not my place to lecture people on guns. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, if he is able to come back, though, in turn, Joe, I'm interested to just to see the growth, the growth. I'm not talking about from a maturity standpoint. I'm not talking about from just being a, you know, a boy to returning into a young man. I'm talking about the growth in terms of a football player. I had the chance to see him a little bit in high school. Um, long arms. He's just, he's just, he's freakishly athletic, good speed, good size. Um, and I, I don't want to get so hung up talking about someone who might not even be here, but it's it's a damn shame because that was a guy I felt like could provide depth early on in his career. I really did. I really did. So, again, not knowing what's going to play out with that situation because um, I feel like if you have to look at the three, he's probably got the the longest – path or road back in terms of being able to get back on the team. And that's just an assumption. That's not a report. That's just an assumption. Um, since he had the gun, um, according to the alleged reports. So I just bring that up because man, I was really looking forward to being able to see that young man out there that this spring. And at least right now, it doesn't appear that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, in terms of Montague. Yeah. He's, 
got to deal with his stuff. I know Peyton Williams uh, squashed some of the rumors that he wasn't on campus and stuff like that with his Instagram post or his Instagram story post. I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm just exhausted. So excuse me for that. But uh, yeah, Peyton Williams kind of squashed like his, the rumors that he was off campus or something like that. But obviously Reigns has the biggest um, hill to climb with all of that. And I, I mean, Mike, it's not even comparable to the tragedy that happened at Alabama. You know, one thing, I mean, granted, they're both uh, just you know, gun-related charges, but, I mean, somebody's life was taken and stuff like that. And, I mean, it's, you know, not a good situation at all. And, you know, again, we're not going to get into Nate Oates or Brandon Miller or anything like that. And I know the hecklers are out tonight and, and all of that, and rightfully so should be. Uh, but I mean, yeah, entirely different situations. Um, and, you know, thankfully Monty Q was never in a situation to do something like that and all of that. So, uh, still has a hill to climb legally and with the school and whatnot, but, um, yeah, totally different ball games. Can't really compare those. I do want to hit one more thing before we head into a quick timeout. Um, when we look at what South Carolina has done from a tight end standpoint, okay, obviously the depth that they have at that position, there's a lot of talented guys. I mean, shoot, I go back to what the summer when Connor Cox committed tight end from the Jacksonville area or around that Jacksonville area. Um, there's been so many Florida commitments. I can't keep up with them anymore. Um, but I say that because at that time I was like, well, they're, they're getting a pretty good tight end. And now he's buried on the depth chart, it feels like. Again, at least from a – you look at some of the experience and some of the other talent guys that, you know, they're all going to have an opportunity to come. My point being is it just goes to show how talented that room has become. And I bring that up not because it's an obvious statement because there's a lot of people out there being like, yeah, no kidding. Um. But I also think when you look at what South Carolina could be doing from an offensive standpoint, could be a lot of two tight end sets. Could be situations where there's three tight end sets, which in the NFL, it all depends which team you're following. I mean, the Patriots for years, um, you know, especially when Aaron Hernandez was on the team. And, you know, when you had Aaron Hernandez and Gronk out there, when you have the talent at tight end, Okay, when you have that talent at tight end, and especially with just how that position has evolved, and we've talked about that in turn, Joe, on this program, mm -hmm. the way that position has evolved, you don't necessarily have to worry about having, you know, um, all these different type of wide receivers out there because if you're doing two tight end sets, you have a running back out there. That's three guys right there. That's three guys right there. And that's not to say South Carolina does not have some talent at wide receiver. They have some talent. They have some guys, too, that we didn't even see last year. Right? Think of Landon Sampson. Think of all the freaking buzz around that kid coming out of high school when he was coming out of Texas a year ago. Okay? Red shirts. He got a lot of good reps from everything that we were told from people close to the program. A lot of good reps throughout the course of the season, but a lot of good reps during bowl practices. So I bring that up because, again, I feel like and we're going to have to see how quickly Harbor adapts to everything. 
I'm not going to be shocked if we see a lot of two tight end sets this year. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, if there's two receivers out there, maybe there's a situation where there's only one. Maybe there's two running backs in the backfield. Could be two tight end sets, two running backs, 22 personnel. Who's going to be that wide receiver or two to really separate themselves? We know Juice Wells is there. Marion Brown, we know, is there. Xavier Leggett, right? We know that there's some talented guys that are coming back. To carry on Joyner, I feel like he's going to have a chip on his shoulder to go out there and prove something this season. Um, and he's going to have extra motivation with his baby girl on the way soon. So, again, outside of Juice Wells, outside of, you know, guys that you would just assume, all right, Marion Browns, who's going to be that guy that steps up? Because if there's not as many opportunities to be out there on the field from a wide receiver standpoint, again, this is talking in hypotheticals, which I don't like necessarily to do, but I think you have to acknowledge it, that USC might have so much, I mean, not might, USC has so much talent at tight end. If it becomes proven talent after the spring, and it gives both Dow Loggins, and it also gives Beamer, that comfortability factor of just like, hey, shoot, I can trust these guys out there. Who's that wide receiver that's going to step up? Who's that wide receiver that can be out there, that you will put out there in addition to those tight ends that we talked about? Because I think it's going to be a tight end heavy team next year. I really do. I really do. Yeah, I mean, you need tight ends to to have a successful offense, and I think Dowell is really going to use it. Um I would like to see him kind of stick it to his predecessor, if you will, because obviously Satterfield didn't use the tight ends well, and Dowell has talked about that he's going to use the tight ends. And now that you have a lot, it's kind of kind of deep. I mean, you got a guy like Reed McKees, you got Connor Cox, got Trey Knox that's going to do both now. Um, now that you have a guy like Harbor, I think those two, not interchangeable because their skill sets are a little different, but I think they're both kind of going to play the same role in terms of being a flex player um, for the offense, just being like, you know, Eddie wide Lewis, receiver. That's yeah. a good one. Eddie, Eddie Lewis, Lewis is a good, good one. one. I think yeah. he'll also – I also think that's a guy that can make an impact on special teams yeah, um, with his speed. But continue in turn, Joe. Yeah. No, so I think – I mean, you're going to need your tight ends to block, especially, you know, to give Spencer the protection that he needs to succeed in this offense, um, you know. And I think they do it a lot in the NFL, two tight end sets – stuff like that. Yep. You see a lot of backup tight ends. You see a lot of funky stuff with that. So I expect to see all that and more. You have a diverse group of tight ends. You have guys that are more than willing and capable to block. And you have guys that are that can go out and just flat out make plays like white. And guys that want to block too. Guys exactly. that want to block. I mean, That's what I'm look, saying. we don't know necessarily who's going to be the starters in that group. I mean, you you have kind of like an idea when you look like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, all right, Nick, Nicholas Harbour is going to be a day one starter. I think I think as talented as he is and as good as he can be, I think it's a little premature just to assume, oh, yeah, Nicholas Harbour is going to be, you know, a day one starter. Um, You know, how quickly he's able to get adjusted to everything, acclimate, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, again, you look at that room intern, Joe. You look at that freaking room. I mean, that's a talented room. So – and that's the other part of it, too. If this is Satterfield's offense, right, if we're heading into year three under Satterfield from an OC standpoint, 
you kind of have a better sense of how he uses the tight end position, right? Um, you know, if it was going to be two tight end sets, he liked using the tight ends a lot when it came to blocking, um, especially on the perimeter. A lot of screens, swing passes, all that kind of stuff. So, and um, no, Nate Atkins is not back. Nate Atkins, he's done. It was uh, his, his last season this past year. So you're, you're going to have a new offensive coordinator who, again, figuring some guys out, we don't know what that will look like in terms of, okay, how does he want to use his tight ends? Will it be a lot more blocking with those guys? Will he use them more as pass catchers? To me, going back to what we were talking about before, intern Joe, before we hit some of these ads, to me, it comes down to what we were talking about with the offensive line, right? If they're getting their job done, now it gives you a little bit more breathing room as an offensive coordinator. Now you feel more comfortable. Now you don't feel like you have to leave a guy back home that added, quote-unquote, six offensive linemen, potentially seven if you have two tight ends out there, both blocking. Maybe you have a running back in the backfield that's blocked. Because think how much easier the game becomes, right? I mean, we talk about it all the time when it comes to defending the pass, right? If you know it's going to be pass, 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 and you're not running the ball, right? You're not running the football. What happens? Well, a good defensive lineman, not even a good one, could be an average one, puts his freaking hand in the dirt, and he knows that he can just tee off. Pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. They love that. They absolutely love it, right? Think about it from a baseball standpoint. You know it's just going to be fastball, fastball, fastball. You need to be able to throw a changeup. You need to be able to throw a curveball in there. So if South Carolina – isn't able to get the type of protection that they need from the O-line, and they need the tight ends to stay at home, what happens? Well, you have fewer people going out for passes. See the comparison? Now it becomes easier to defend the pass. Mm-hmm. You have less options out there. So what's going to happen? They're going to send more guys. That was an issue for South Carolina for a while at times last season. It was certainly a problem for them two years ago. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. And I think if they're able to get over that, you're going to see the tight end position used more as a pa- as a pass catcher than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, like I said, I think uh, he's going to use two tight ends. I think he's going to, Dowell's going to use it creatively. Um, I think it's going to be really, really fun to see. Oh, I misread uh, SC scout guy. Yeah. Um, he's going to go through the process with uh pro day he's going to be doing pro day i believe that is march goodness um it's in a couple weeks put it that way uh the nfl combine's coming up in a couple days out in indy five south carolina players will be out there we'll talk more about that next week but uh pro day held at south carolina even more players will be taking part in that guys who weren't invited to indy guys who were invited to indy sometimes they'll do you know they'll do some of the stuff back here. Um, it's you know, comfortability standpoint, right? Uh, being able to do some of those things. So we'll have to wait and see in terms of uh, what Nate's future is going to be. I feel like with his impact on special teams, his ability to block, he showed off the hands. I mean, that Clemson catch, it's going to be kind of like the clowny hit 
um, for years to come. You're going to go into bars. I mean, they're already seeing it down here, and you're seeing the catch, just posters just all over the place, newspaper, picture, just whatever. Um, that picture is going to live on forever. Um, I don't know this for certain. I have not asked him or his father, Greg, but I wouldn't be shocked if he wants to get into coaching because he'd be a hell of a coach because, again, playing that tight end position – you have a little bit of both when it comes to the knowledge of an offensive lineman. And you also have that knowledge as a receiver, right? It's kind of that hybrid position. The fact that he also um, comes from a coaching family and his father is phenomenal when it comes to just the knowledge of the game. Unfortunately, the health issues kept him away at times and now he'll be still working with the team, but in an off field role, uh, I think that, that tells you everything. I think it speaks volumes. Uh, intern Joe, tax season. Got to make sure you have all your forms, baby. And if you do, who should you call? Should call our good friends over at Taxiety. Taxiety is that uncertain feeling you get right before Liberty Tax. Your, Liberty Tax. Sorry, I'm I'm tired. Mark. You're already getting Taxiety. That's how much. I that am. You... Exactly. That's exactly how it goes. Sorry, I read the graphic. Forgot to call our friends over at Liberty Tax. But anyways. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays. With multiple service options, start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call over at 803-462-5576. Once again, that's 803-462-5576. And Mike... Got another sponsor. Talk about our guy, Clint Hammond. Yeah, Clint Hammond. We've talked about this many times, right? I mean, this time of the year, people are starting to look. They want to get a new home now, right? Some of those rates could be hopefully going in your favor. Clint Hammond will make it so freaking easy for you. He'll make it a hell of a lot easier for you. All you got to do is give him a call over at the Mortgage Network, 803-576-4450. He'll help you out just like he was able to help out former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. He's also been able to help out our own Wes Mitchell, good friend of his, through the mortgage process. So make sure you reach out to Clint over at the Mortgage Network. Clint Hammond has been a longtime supporter of Gamecock Central, as well as a longtime sponsor of GC Live. In turn, Joe, I do want to bring up, I do want to bring up this. You know, one thing I do want to throw out there because I know some people see the suits when I do the uh, tweet. There is another commitment on the way for South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. As we do, we won't say who it is. We won't say the year. We won't say any of that. Um, but there's another commitment on the way. Um, and one thing I do want to point out, and I'm not necessarily talking directly about this individual. I'm talking in the broader sense uh, about what South Carolina has been able to do from a recruiting standpoint. Because, again, this – athlete he'll be committing at some point and i say athlete people are going to think it's you know that's the position um 
what I've noticed, especially with the end of the 2023 period, we've seen a lot of the class of 2024 guys, some 2025, I think, too, but 2024 guys in particular. When South Carolina hired Shane Beamer in December, what was that, 2020, as soon as he was able to uh, assemble his coaching staff, they really, really, really got after it from a recruiting standpoint heavily, heavily for the class of 2024. Um, I think that's also the case for 2025, but I think especially for 2024. I think they looked at that year as, hey, that's that's going to be our year. That's going to, you know, for a lack of a, a better phrase, that's going to make or break us. Because one thing I've noticed with a lot of these freaking players, a lot of these players for the class of 2024, when I write up these stories on, you know, uh, Cam Pringle committed or, you know, whoever, you can go down the list. One thing that keeps coming up is how South Carolina was either the first Power 5 school to reach out to that player or they were one of the first. And I think... That is something that should not be overlooked, right? One thing that we we talk so much about with this coaching staff is how good they do from a recruiting standpoint, right? They're also identifying talent quickly, and they're not wasting time. They're not wasting time. You can't just go around just offering everybody right away, okay? Right? You, You can't just do that. But I, I truly believe they have this vision, and I would love to be able to sit down with Taylor Edwards. Maybe we can get him to come on the program at some point. Um, the problem is you, you try not to you know, give the, the recipe away to the rest of the world, right? So you, you're walking a fine line. But I'm fascinated by how USC is thinking ahead, right? Because you have these boards. You have these whiteboards. Um at South Carolina, just like a lot of these colleges have. And they kind of have their, if you, if you will, like, you know, two, three, four, five year plan. Right. And it's all up there and you start having all the players names and, you know, where's he leaning and and they're able to kind of have a sense of, okay, what would the roster look like in the year of, you know, 2024? If this player does come here, how many linebackers do we have? How many quarterbacks do we have? Like that's something that you're constantly updating and then obviously with the portal now it makes it even more confusing but i bring that up because they have their plan set they're looking ahead and they've done such a good freaking job of being early early on some of these players that these guys are like shoot that loyalty means a lot to me so when that happens when that happens i think a lot of the time we look at it and the first thing we're saying is wow that's a big time commitment. Wow, here's another four star. Wow, you know, could be a five star, whatever the case may be. What shouldn't be overlooked is how much that helps South Carolina moving forward. And what I mean by that is, again, obviously these are all verbal commitments until they put pen to paper. And for the class of 2024, that won't be able to happen until December of this year. But when you're able to do those things in turn, Joe, think how much easier that that makes things. Think how much easier that makes things because now it's like, shoot, we already have an idea. We already have an idea who's coming here. And a lot of the time now, and you're seeing with South Carolina, you're seeing at other schools, 
But this coaching staff, they're encouraging these players to commit early. Two reasons. One, it helps them out in terms of identifying that whiteboard I was talking to you about. But number two, they're able to go out there and start recruiting. They're able to be kind of like ambassadors of the program, like we've seen with Pop Howard, like we've seen with Dante Reno. Um, I, I just think that really just – that's something that just really stood out to me is how they're doing a great job recruiting, but they're doing a freaking awesome job when it comes to identifying these players quickly. I mean, some of these players are freaking freshmen. Freshmen in 2020 when, when Shane Beam arrived here. And they found some of these, and they got right after. I should say 2021. Um, they were freshmen. You know, his first full season. They're making offers to some of these guys, or, you know, maybe they're making an offer at the beginning of the year in 2021, or, you know, maybe at the end of 2020, they're looking ahead, and some of those guys signed in this class of 2023. So I, I just bring that up because I just think it's, it's just, it's another, it's another example of how good of a job they really are doing when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, to, uh, you know, SC scout guys point. Yeah. That comment that I was, I was just about to bring up. I agree. I think that's the way to get it done. And especially like I'm, I'm currently working on an article. I talked to our good friend Dante Reno about what it's like to just kind of recruit guys. Right. And how, how to show it's like a family and stuff. I think, you know, when you get guys that, you know, aren't necessarily five stars or, you know, kind of doubted a little bit like that, those guys tend to recruit so much harder for you and stuff like that. And I, I, I think, you know, it, uh, you know, the, the recruiting, I'm sorry, I was stuttering, but uh, the recruiting ranking is, is um, it's only a number, right? You can only judge a player going into college. It doesn't mean what kind of quality player he's going to be yep. when he gets there. And it's all Agreed. about the program that he's going into. And it's all about, you know, starts with Ryan day in the weight room, right. Starting to develop guys, strength, muscle, quickness, speed, it starts there. And then they start to build football smarts and then they start to get reps and whatnot. And I mean, you, to judge, you know, I guess players and development and stuff like that, you kind of have to look, look at guys, you know, the, the extreme cases like Nicky Minwari who got here and just dominated and also to development of guys such as, you know, a, a Mo Kaba or a Boogie Hunley or a Tonka Hemingway who have been here and who have just basically started from the bottom and then developed up, you know, they, those guys weren't super highly touted coming out of high school. It's all about the program that is built around it. And it's all about how that program and, and system can develop guys. And that's, I guess that's what I was trying to get at earlier. You know, the stars, it only means the quality of player they are coming out of high school. It doesn't mean anything once they get to campus. There's a lot of external factors as we've seen, especially in, with South Carolina, there's a lot of external factors that can happen uh, once you get on campus and adjust to it and, and whatnot. So, I mean, the ranking and the star rating is it doesn't really mean anything once, you know, you kind of put your hand on the line and, and start digging into fall camp, spring camp, fall camp, summer camp, even, you know? Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't want to say the ratings don't matter, obviously, you know, to an extent they do, but eventually it just kind of becomes numbers and, and, and um, you know, you see what kind of type of ball player you get. And obviously some of the guys that are, a lot of the guys that are succeeding in the NFL were not very highly touted recruits coming out of high school. It's very rare that you see a guy that, you know, is five-star superstar coming out of high school do, you know, be that guy in college and then move on to the NFL and be that all that and more. So 
Um, it's very rare when that happens. So I'm not trying to, to discredit on three or anything like that. And I think, you know, shout no, out. To I mean, but it's the, it's the, it's the truth. And like, yeah. look, you know, sites like on three, like, like we work at and, you know, the other recruiting services out there, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome to be able to have these star systems because they do mean something. They do mean yeah. something. But once you arrive at a campus, that that all goes out the window. It's nice. It's a nice talking point. I mean, how many times have we talked about how South Carolina is over the 50% mark for blue chip players for the class of 2023? That hadn't happened in, what, about a decade or so? So I bring those things up because – I, I think you're on to something intern Joe and it's not a shot um at our company whatsoever it's yeah. it's just the reality of it it's a fun talking point it's a fun talking point yeah and i mean it's fun to look at guys like you know Josh Allen and even a John ja Morant if you if we want to go into basketball right John ja Morant wasn't yep. a five star kid coming out of high school Josh Allen wasn't a five star neither was Pat Mahomes really like i mean it's it's really fun to kind of look at that and be like oh these are the guys that got passed over and whatnot and granted you know, we saw what what kind of person they were in college. Those, I mean, the 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 Allens and the Mahomes and whatever. But yeah, I mean, once once you're you know the legs hit the rubber and you know you, you start going at you know some of the big boys in the SEC, you really find out who you are pretty quickly. And again, when you see guys develop like a Nicky Minwari that quickly, and you know, there's the short term development and then there's the long term development, right? You see guys that are kind of late bloomers and whatnot, but I think it, it just speaks to the program when you can have guys that come in as recruits and then develop into talent as they go along. Right. I think that's the whole name of the game here, right. With the transfer portal and all that you want to be able, like that's the, the reason why, you know, recruiting is as still as big as it is because you still want to bring in guys and still develop and stuff like that. Cause I mean, teams can rely on the transfer portal to fill out a roster. Sure. But I mean, you're not going to get any consistent development there. And that's why recruiting is still a big thing because, I mean, everyone – people were worried free, or, um, the transfer portal would have been free agency. But, you know, in that recruiting wouldn't mean as much. But I think, you know, when you look at the development side of things, if I'm speaking sense here, um, you you see guys develop. That's why recruiting still makes a big deal because you get guys, the diamonds and the roughs that you can develop. You kind of get them going and you, you really start to get it – to get them developing and, and make them into the football player that, you know, they always want to be. And you also test the guy's character too, because college, I mean, you take these young kids and kind of, you know, let them be adults and stuff like that and, and whatnot. Um, so you test their character with that aspect too, managing themselves and being in the program and, and all of that stuff, Mike, we could talk about it forever, but you're right. It, it is a really interesting topic to talk about. And again, we could talk about it forever. All the guys that swung and missed or that the recruiting sites swung and missed on and stuff like that. It's, it's fun, but um Talk about it forever. South Carolina and Alabama men's basketball is set to tip off at CLA. 17 and a half point underdogs the Gamecocks are tonight. Still looking for their first SEC home win on the season, taking on the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, who beat Georgia by nearly 50 points the other, the other night. Um, so not going to be an easy task by any means. Um, and as we kind of hit on before, you know, again, obviously this isn't necessarily a basketball show, but um, there's a lot going on with Alabama's program right now. And, um, you know, I, I know people are probably going to have some fun at, at Alabama's expense tonight. I'm already seeing some of the costumes and stuff, but um, 
just this just an awful situation um it doesn't change any of that you know it's it's just a really really sad situation um sad for so many people for so many reasons um but again we'll we'll wait and see how things play out over there because it's certainly it's certainly uh just beginning unfortunately over there um mm-hmm. I will say this. Let's see if we can get some quality guys next window. Uh, SC Scout guy, I think you have to manage the transfer portal in the same way you have always had to be careful with how many Juco players you would take. Yeah, I mean, the Juco player route, because look, and I had the opportunity when I was in Mississippi to cover some really, some really talented teams, uh, some really talented Juco teams. I had a chance to um, see as well. you know, East Mississippi Community College, we know they've kind of been a factory when it comes to producing talent, especially in the SEC. Um, but never mind the fact of the years, right? The years are a little bit different because you go over there, you play for a year, you play for two years, now you're coming to South Carolina and you only have a year or two. And the other thing, too, is I was mentioning this to Mark Kingston the other day. We were talking um, before his show Carolina calls last week believe it or not that COVID season I mean we're, we're almost towards the end of that so the guys that have had that extra year right I mean we've seen some cases where guys have played five years um some have played six even you know I know there's even some rear 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 cases you think that you know like a Jordan Strawn situation you might get like a seventh year but I bring that up because we're almost towards the end of that. We're almost towards the end. And, of course, there'll be guys that have fifth years because they'll redshirt or could be a medical hardship thrown in there. So, yeah, I get it. There'll be some guys that are five or six years um, in the future as well. But that point being is a lot of these guys, it's like, oh, we have them for an extra year. Oh, we have – that's starting to go out the window. It's starting to go out. So you have to figure out, okay, how do we manage these rosters? How do we manage some of the turnover? Because some of the turnover wasn't happening as rapidly in comparison to years past. Yes, the portal changed things a little bit. No question about it. But when I say rapidly, I'm talking about the fact that USC essentially had like a whole nother class there. Now, did every player, has every player took advantage of that extra year? No. But you had to deal with that as well. That's going to be gone. Um so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all kind of plays out. Intern Joe, we will hopefully, hopefully, hopefully be talking some, some dates very soon mm-hmm. as to when South Carolina will begin spring football practices. Um, trying to see if I have it around here. I had a notepad. Um, real quick, top game cock. Yeah, I mean, we will, I guess towards the end, it's mostly football, but yeah, we'll answer just about anything. Um, also, too, yeah, I was munching. You caught me. That was kind of funny. A little, <laughs> little bit to, of ham salad. Trying to see where I put it. I've got all my notes around me. Trying to see where I wrote this one up as I hit the microphone. Let's see. It's the project with the studio. So spring break for USC is, and correct me if I'm wrong, intern Joe, you would know this as a student, March 5th to the 12th, correct? I'm sorry. Yeah, spring break is the 5th or the 12th, yeah. Last year, 
last year, if we follow the same model, and again, doesn't necessarily mean that it will be, but last year, South Carolina started spring practices on Tuesday, Tuesday, March 14th, 2022. So following that model, I would not be shocked if USC is, what would that put the date at? Whatever that Tuesday would be. I would not be shocked if South Carolina is starting spring practices on, uh, excuse me, I'm losing. The 14th is a Tuesday this year. Last year, whatever that Tuesday was, would that be the 15th, 13th? Um, Bottom line is I would expect spring football to start around then is what I'm trying to get at. Um, The unofficial because it just hasn't been publicly announced, but it's kind of been like the world's worst kept secret. Um, The spring game, South Carolina has been looking at the 15th is what we've been told. Um, The Beamer ball would actually be, I think actually a couple weeks after that, two weeks after to be exact tickets are on sale. I would highly recommend people checking that out. It was a lot of fun last year, Um, but I bring those things up just to kind of give you an idea as to um, how quickly this is going to go. I mean, it's already, but we got a less than a week to go of February. We're going to be right there in March. Uh, and then before you know it, we are going to be through spring football. And then we're going to be talking about this upcoming season. Um, I got one more question, does it look like? And we're yeah. going to close it out on this intern, Joe. Might as well. Top Gamecock, who is y'all's most important player for the 2023 season? You're not allowed to use Rattler, Wells, or even Worry. My pick would be Marcellus Dial. Who would you pick mm. and why? Mm. Oh, you might. Go ahead. Go crazy. I like Marcellus Dial. Um, like that, take, that takes one away from me. Um, I'm going to give it to a position that gets overlooked a lot. And I think it's one that for the last couple of years it was taken for granted because you had a guy there who I've joked around. He was an intern of mine at Watch Fox. Um, that he was, you know, basically with the football team for nine years. Um, with Eric Douglas moving on, it looks like Nick Gargiulo, the transfer coming in from Yale, will be the starting center. I think that is going to be one of the most important positions this season. Um, outside of the fact that he touches the ball in every friggin' play, you need a smart center. How quickly can he adapt to the speed, the strength, um, of the SEC, of playing at this level in comparison to playing at Yale, and how quickly can he pick up the playbook because he needs to know that. I mean, if you think Rattler needs to know the playbook, he needs to know the playbook inside and out times two. Um, I think he'll be able to do that. He's got a um, obviously a very, very high football IQ, but he also has just a high IQ in general. He was freaking at Yale, for crying out loud, and he was a captain um, for that team, the only captain, as they do every year. So um, – and having conversations with Dante Reno about the young man. And we, I know he's talked about him on this very airwave right here. I think it was actually on signing day a couple weeks back. He is a guy that he expects to get in here, Dante that is, and he'll be able to pick things up quickly. And if that is the case, we talk about how that offensive line, how you want them to be able to gel quickly. Once you have that center position, right? Once you have that center position – um, locked in, right? He's good to go. And he knows what the hell he's doing. It's going to make everyone else 
their jobs a hell of a lot easier, right? You got two guys on the left, two guys on the right. If you're the center. Once you know what you're doing, it's going to make the guys next to you feel more comfortable. And I think it will just help that rapport grow quicker. And again, that's what they need. They need to be able to gel quickly. Yeah. Um, I like that pick. Um, I, I mean, again, kind of took it from me. I was going to say that, or I think Mo Kaba is my sleeper pick, right? Like that. Mo Kaba. His, I mean, we've seen how talented he is. We've seen what he can do. And I mean, same, same thing, right? With the offensive line, you need a guy in the middle that will do the dirty work, be smart. I think Mo Kaba is the answer on defense. You need a Mike linebacker that knows the field well that can play well, that knows everybody else's position. Cobb has been there, done that. He's shown that he's, he understands the defense, understands how everyone else can play. So I think it's, I think it's huge um, sleeper pick for that one. And then obviously um, I don't think this offense will be punting very much, but another sleeper <laughs> pick would be Kai Kroger quarterback, quarterback of the year. Might, might, might need to be in the Heisman conversation yet again. But. I, I do think, too, just adding one more name out there, I would say Stone Bland. I yeah, think Stone's sure. going to be a guy that is going to um, get a lot of playing time this year. Yeah. We saw his snaps go up last year, especially towards the end of the season. Um, and a lot of that was by design. You know, you have a new guy come in, right? He's a freshman, new guy. And he's still trying to figure out what the hell college football is all about, right? You know, so he's doing that, number one. But number two, they were trying to see, okay, are we just going to play him on special teams? Or is he a guy that's going to factor in playing defense for us at some point? Because if he's able to play some defense too, <clears throat> that changes the philosophy as to how you're going to use him. If you're just going to use them on special teams, and I've had this conversation with Pete Lumbo before, if they're just going to use a player on special teams, and again, obviously, right, football, anything can happen, injuries happen, things can change all the time. We know that. But once you know that it, he won't be playing just special teams, that makes things a hell of a lot easier. Now, if you want to throw him out there for a package, now if you want to see him in the game, you can put him out there. You don't have to worry in the back of your head. Oh man, he you know once he hits that four game mark, and obviously this past year the NCAA changed that for bowl games, but I'll still call it the number four. Um, you have a better sense. So what did we see once we knew he was going to be over that mark? Over that mark. Well, he started playing more in defense too. In having that experience, performing the way he did it only is going to set him up to have a tremendous season in 2023. But again, how is he going to perform this spring? And now you have other guys that are coming in there, right? Um, you got Pup Howard, and I know we talk about inside, outside line, but I know it's different. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of these guys, they have some speed to them, right? They're, they could be interchangeable. Um, just because again, the game's just different. You know, you're not talking about, even though this guy was an absolute freak of an athlete, uh, you're not talking about like the Dick Buckuses, the Ray Lewis. Um, I'm trying to go back, you know, old, old school tight end. I mean, uh, linebackers, you know, just big old tight, big old, uh, linebackers that really couldn't move, you know, 
sideline to sideline. It's different now. It's different. And Stone certainly has the ability to do that if needed. And, you know, Pup can move as well. Absolutely. In turn, Joe, it's been a, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Everyone, we appreciate Always. you tuning in tonight. Good numbers tonight. Good numbers for this uh, change-up this week on a Wednesday night. It could be. It could be the new norm. We will keep you guys posted on that. And the reason being is, well, now that baseball season is here, and I say this because this is one of the rare freaking nights where they actually played on a Wednesday. Um, because baseball plays on Tuesdays, we feel like, you know, we want to kind of keep that away because it's just it's just different, you know. You have a different audience. Football is going to be one of those things we talk about year-round. I get that. Um, but basketball, they weren't always playing on Tuesday night, so it just didn't make sense to move it. There were some Tuesday night games, but it didn't make sense to move it. So that's the reason why. If anyone uh, is curious about that, I posted that on, I posted on the uh, Insider Forum. But I know, you know, some people might not be GC subscribers. If you're not, if you're not, come on by, come on by. It's twenty nine ninety nine through August thirty first. I know that might seem like a lot of money, but I will say this: as someone that was working at Watch Fox, uh, if we weren't breaking it. GC was, and there were days where I was pissed off that I didn't have a subscription um, to be able to get information. And the longer I've been down here, seeing how important recruiting is to a lot of y'all, it's not like this up north. It's not. Penn State, maybe they care, but it's not going to touch it. But Boston, nothing, nothing. So I say that because Wes and Chris – are truly, 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 truly two of the best in the game when it comes to this. Working with those guys every freaking day and seeing the job they do from a recruiting standpoint, it is absolutely insane, the information that these guys are able to gather. So that's my little spiel. That's my little pitch. Head on over to Gamecock Central. Take advantage of it because, again, talk about football. We have everything. Women's basketball, they're getting ready for a deep postseason run, right? Knock on wood. Um, men's basketball, it looks like they're going to be very busy in the transfer portal, according to, to, to people close with the program. And then, of course, spring football. It's right around the court. Oh, and, of course, baseball, too. And we have some other sports in there, but those are obviously the heavy hitters that you'll see every day. Intern Joe, anything else you want to add, my man? I'm all good, Mike. Y'all uh, be safe tonight Watch watching this basketball game. Hopefully, knock it on wood, keep it kind of close. We will, um, as far as the live stream, stream schedule goes, I know that with us, and I don't know if you're talking about us, Top Gamecock, um, I just mentioned this, but right now we're in the process of trying to figure out when we'll be doing these shows because we've been doing them. Obviously, it's been called GC Live Talking Tuesdays, Tuesday nights. Uh, we're in the process of deciding if we should keep it on Tuesday or move it to Wednesday. I'd say we're leaning towards Wednesday. Uh, but nothing's finalized yet. And the reason being is because, you know, baseball is going to be going on. So, and when spring football gets going, we're going to be a little short staffed too. So that will help us be able to cover all our bases so that we don't have to keep flipping the schedule. Oh, I can't do it tonight. Oh, we got to do it this night. Um, as far as the other shows go, the hard foul is on Sundays. 
Correct, intern Joe. What time is that? Yeah. Is that seven? Sundays at seven. Um, and then we also are working on a baseball show, TBD. Um, it's announced that we're having it. We're just working on. So we have a baseball show currently right now, extra innings. It is yep. not a live show, though. Not a live say, yeah. show. Um, but once there, I'm assuming once basketball is done, that live show that you're talking will be, uh, will be there. Um, yep. So there's plenty. Of, bottom line is there's plenty of video oh, content. And this Wes episode, and Chris are all live um, for GC Live every day. Yep, GC Wes Live, the Garnet Trust Hour as well on 107.5 The Game. All that stuff, plus this, if you've missed any of it, any of it, hard fi- whatever the case may be. We also are doing new daily videos called the GC Mail. There's so much freaking video content right now on Gamecock Central. It's You're not going to find this in a different market, um, especially for a website. I promise you that. But I bring all that up because if you've missed any of this show or you've missed any of that other stuff I mentioned, head on over, head on over to Gamecock Central's YouTube page. Head on over to Gamecock Central's YouTube page. Um, subscribe there. It's free. Put the little alert bell on. Anytime a new video drops, you can catch it. Um, so if you want to watch this show in its entirety, you want to see our two mugs for an hour plus, have at it. Go there. If not, if you're a podcast guy or gal, head on over to Gamecock Central's podcast platforms. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcast. wherever you get your podcast. And Jimmy F., he said, y'all don't forget to give to one of Carolina NIL. We are part of Garnet Trust, Gamecock Central. Um, a lot of great stuff that Garnet Trust has been doing. Again, I mentioned the GC, the the, the Garnet Trust Hour, Garnet Trust Takeover Hour. Um, I think it was the GC Hour, Garnet Trust Hour. Um, on 107.5 The Game, we're getting some of those student athletes in there. That's great. There's a lot of great things in the pipelines with the Garnet Trust. Very, very excited. Very excited. Um, my first time tuning in. Love the content and interaction. This is Fire Intern Joe. Adds some awesome aspects. He is a goat. It's good to have Intern Joe. Appreciate it. Dude, he's been doing a great job. Keeps getting better and better Appreciate in front of the camera. Dang. The Temple game is going to overtime. Now I'm going to have to check that out. Our game is on ESPN News. Now. Ah, I got you now. I got you. So that's shout out. I do want to shout out Colin Taylor. He he probably has the tweet of the night so far. Brandon Miller um, fouled Josh Gray on a dunk. Colin Taylor goes, Josh Gray just slammed home a dunk and Brandon Miller fouled. Caught in the wrong spot at the wrong time there. Mm, very Ooh. lovely. And then apparently, allegedly, students are chanting guilty as Brandon Miller is at the free throw line. So they're having quite a lot of fun over there at Colonial Life already. As we will go to that. Buddy. Mm. All right, intern Joe. Appreciate everyone that watched tonight. We appreciate you guys again. We will keep you posted as to when this show will come out again. I would say be on the lookout uh, for, for some type of update over the next couple of days. Wednesday. Could be the move, but once we uh, we all get on the same page, we will make that decision official. I'm Mike Yuba. He's intern Joe. You guys have been watching GC Live talking Wednesday nights. We'll do it again next week. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. 
Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.